0: Good afternoon. It's Tuesday, 5 o'clock UK time, um, and welcome to this week's What Comes Next Live. Uh, my guest, I am in London, as I normally am, and my guest this week comes from the wilds of Perthshire, um, and it's Ali McGill. Uh, nice to see you, Tom. Cheers, Ali. Um, I'm trying to remember when we first met. It was quite a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I think it was online and some kind of format or other. And then we just met up in person a fair bit over the years. Always have great yeah. conversations. Um, I'm sure you can talk to us a little bit, a bit of your bio, um, probably what you did on, um, in between what you did before and what you're doing now. Uh, and then perhaps what you're doing now, why you're doing it, and what's next.
1: Great. Wow. Well, um, so I remember we met on Twitter. And you were the person who introduced me to Citizen M restaurant, hotels, Citizen M hotels. Yeah. I was looking for a hotel to stay in, in Glasgow and I tweeted about it. And I think we were kind of connected through the entrepreneurial exchange as it was back then. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you said stay at Citizen M and I did. And I, and since then it became my go-to hotel in any city where they happen to have a hotel. Loved it. So I've got you to thank for that. <laughs> cost me a fortune, cost me a fortune over the years, but great place to stay. <laughs> Um, And so, you know, what am I doing just now? Um, So in 2017, we're coming up for just about four years old. I founded a company called Ashton McGill with my son. Um, And Ashton McGill is an accounting and consulting firm um, headquartered out of Dundee, but we work with about 180 businesses across the whole of the UK. Mm -hmm. And we've got a team that are remote. And it's been one of the facets, I guess, of the last year and a half of, you know, the world that we've all lived through with COVID that we've realized we didn't all have to be in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, for the kind of work that we do and with the client base that we have. Um, it's more about actually having the right team and the right people. And um, so that's that's kind of my day job um, is running Ashton McGill with Andy. Um, we set it up because we had a, a frustration with the world of accounting. Um, he's a graphic designer marketer. I've come from an accounting background, but as you know, an entrepreneurial background and with a background also in service design, the design of services. Um, and we felt that, we could create an accounting experience that would be different to anything else that was out there in the market. It was customer, client centric, and use our design skills to create that. And, and We went live at the end of August 2017, and uh, I remember waiting for someone to, you know, click with click on the button to book a call. and And you know, we took on one client, N2, and two, and then three, and it's grown steadily. We've a team of eights now, um, full time out of, out of well, headquartered out of Dundee, but they're based across different locations. Um, I spend a lot of my time doing CFO work now with a small number of clients. And as our team's grown, you know, we have this kind of pyramid structure, I guess, within AM, where I'm now spending most of my time looking after a small number of large clients. Mm -hmm. And I act, so I act as CFO for people like Dundee Football Club, which has been a fascinating and interesting thing in the last year. I'm not a Dundee fan. Um, I'm not much of a football fan. You know, I'm a cyclist. And, um, But it's been interesting, fascinating over the last year. Dundee won promotion from the championship. They're about to embark on their first season in the premiership for two years. So it's been a really interesting year. Um, Chapter three, cycling brand. Again, you and I both know David Miller. Uh, I've been working with David for about a year as as the CFO at his growing um, cycling apparel brand, Chapter three. Um, And and the other one that people watching this might know is 71 Brewing, uh, another Dundee brand. And, uh, fast growing craft brewery based out of Dundee, listed now in Lidl and Sainsbury's and, um, you'll pick up the products in a lot of supermarkets now across the whole of the UK. And so my time, my day to day is spent with those and, and another, and, a, and a, a number of other businesses. Um, and then actually I'm also still the on an entrepreneur in residence at the University of Dundee. Hmm. And so when we first connected, I was, I lived in Aberdeen at the time. Yeah. I was running a pretty large accounting. Um, business up there specialized in contractors and uh, i have been brought in to turn it around actually 2008 2007 2008 I was brought in as their interim CEO to, to turn the business around had 120 staff two and a half thousand clients 24 million turnover um and, and this business was in the throes of some legislative change and and just some dynamics that were shifting in the market and you know my job was to lead the transformation of that which which we did for about five years um, and then I, I have a low boredom threshold it's maybe just the <laughs> well when things get routine I get bored and and we got that business to a point where it had, been, it had been losing seven figures we had it making six or seven figures it just worked and a great team and and so it was an opportunity for me to to move on from that business um, and to look at other opportunities and and that's been a bit of a pattern in my life um, you know don't stay in one place for too long I like the challenge I like doing new things and I think what I found with Ashton McGill is an opportunity to, to live that where I, I've got my own business and I've had businesses in the past, but this one creating it from the ground up with Andy, um, being able to design it the way we wanted to design it. That's been fascinating. And, you know, I'm 52 now and, and when we set this thing up, I guess I was 48 years old and, and I reached that point in my life where I want to spend the rest of my career doing work that I want to do with people that I want to do it with. Mm-hmm. And not, it's no more complicated than that, and that was what we embarked on uh, to try and create with Ashton McGill, and uh, and we've been able to do that, and it's great. And and so I've have the luxury, perhaps if that's the word, or you know, I've built a great team that allow me to spend most of my time doing these kind of pieces of work that we've talked about. Dundee Football Club, 71 Brewing Chapter C, and, and you know, I've got two board meetings tomorrow. I'm off up to Aberdeen again for board meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's great, and, you know, 30 years, 30 plus years of experience in, in accounting and running all sorts of different types of businesses um, have, have got me to this point where people seem to think I've got value to add and, and are, are happy to have me join them on their boards and, and uh yeah, help them take their business in, in whatever direction they, they want to go. And so I, I suppose that's the background. Um Where we are as a business just now is quite an interesting place, and I know you and I have touched on it briefly online. And we've gone through this period of growth, you know, got to 180 clients, eight staff, and 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 the one thing we've never been short of Tom is inquiries. We have a lot of people that want to work with us as their accountant because I think we do things differently. We were zero small firm of the year in 2020, and uh, and that, that you know raised our profile in the in the market across the whole of the UK, and and so there's never been the shortage of inquiries. For us, it's about making sure it's the right fit, though. Are they a good? the right type of people to work with us so we tend to work with ambitious entrepreneurs the people that do things differently they think outside of the box a few I guess a few cliches there perhaps but um they're innovators they're interested in people and they're pushing boundaries and that excites us and and you know we build a really strong relationship with the clients that we work with it's not transactional it's not compliance based you know the buzzwords in our industry are advisory. Um, and we were on this kind of treadmill of just lots of new clients. And, of course, the more clients you take on, the more staff you need to take on. Mm-hmm. And, and we've, we've been through a few rounds of recruitment, hired some amazing people last year. And at the start of this year, we went through another couple of recruitment cycles, and it was underwhelming. Mm. There's lots of accountants out there, but there aren't many that have the, the, the personality traits and skills that are essential for us to do the things we do, and I think that are actually essential for a modern 21st century accountant. Hmm. Um, you, you know, because you and I have both got an accounting background. We were trained as technicians, and, and I trained at EY in the 80s. And we were, you were taught to do technical things. Now, the software does most of that work today. Hmm. Still need to understand why it does it, but, but what you never were taught in the 80s, and it turns out you're still not taught this, um, is, is listening skills, hmm. is how to develop empathy for the client. It's communication, how to explain things in plain English. Accountants are really bad at using jargon in our industry
2: mm-hmm.
1: and actually having those things and the, one of the ones I always come back to is curiosity mm-hmm. so you look at a P&L and I want people to look at that and go "Why?" as mm-hmm. opposed to prepare it and fire it out to the client which is that technician type of approach wow. I, want you to, I, want, I want people that can look at it and go ah, doesn't something about that's not right or what's the margin or just to look at it critically mm-hmm. and think about it and 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 so we went through these two rounds of recruitment, interviewed some very capable accountants, but people that didn't have Mm -hmm. the skills that would make them an Ashton McGill accountant. And so you either hire someone like that and lower your standards, or you say, well, hang on, let's just, let's pause. Mm -hmm. Let's take some time out. And, you know, for us and for many other businesses, the last year and a half has been intense. Right. um, Come through a pandemic. And, you know, last year we made a decision to, do everything we possibly could to help our clients get through this. I mean, this is what you would do as a decent human being. Um, We parked up some of the compliance work and we said, like, if you need your accounts done quickly, we'll get them done quickly. Otherwise, our diaries are open. Here's my diary. Here's Jared's diary. Here's Andy's diary. If you want to just have a chat, Mm -hmm. Callum, link, book a call. We're here. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were doing that six, seven days a week. We were on Zoom calls two or three times a week with the client base saying, here's the latest on grants. Here's the latest on the furlough. This is what the furlough scheme is. This is what furlough means. Here's the qualifying criteria. It was just an intense period of support. And actually, it's probably the most rewarding thing I feel I've ever done in my career. Right. Because we were helping. And that's the core purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was intense. And so as we've come through into 2021, and we've helped our clients do that, you know, fantastic to see them all come through. Some in better shape than others. Some have had amazing years just because of the nature of their industry or who they are or how they've innovated during those times. But. But we've reached this point where we've not been able to find the next superstar, the next AM person that we want to bring into the team. And so we're not going to compromise on that. And so as Andy and I started to kick this around and talk about it, we thought, let's just press pause. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in this for the long game. And we wrote a blog about it. We talked about building our cathedral. This isn't a quick win. We're not trying to have 10 offices across the UK, and I don't need to have 2,500 clients again or 120 staff. I don't really want that. I want to build a good business that does good work for good people. And, you know, we're profitable. We make a good return. And so we don't have to grow. We don't have to hit a return this year or or achieve a certain percentage of growth. Hmm. What we need to do is look after ourselves. We need to look after our team. They've all had an intense last 18 months. And so we press pause. And We've all taken out some time in the summer to have some holidays, to just go and chill out with our families, to decompress, to switch off from email. And then we start to think about things. And we began a process in the spring of redesigning services. How can we make them better? Because you know, a lot of the times what made us different from a traditional accountant was just our personalities. The, the payroll VAT, year-end account, sometimes it's difficult to make that radically different, a great, a great experience we sat back, we've had lots of conversations with clients. We've listened. The first thing we redesigned was the self-assessment process. Mm -hmm. We're big fans of Notion. We use Notion as a a product within our business. Um, And so for the self-assessment process this year, we created a great, Andy and Becca and the team created a a brilliant process in Notion with all the information clients would need, um, with videos. There's a Spotify playlist if you want to listen to a tax-related playlist. Whilst you're preparing your return there's doggy corner so if you're just getting completely stressed out preparing your tax return you just want to look at some pictures of, of, of some of our staff and now clients dogs they're on there as well and it's you know we're, we're laughing about it but it's, it's funny how it, it changes the dynamic in the relationship with clients we don't have clients saying can i send you pictures of my dog to put in doggy corner <laughs> it's fascinating And and so so the challenge now for us as we go through the next few months could be the whole of the year is how can we make our business better?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. We're talking to clients. We're looking at every service that we deliver. Is it as good as it could be? What could we do differently that would make a better experience both for our clients, but also for our team? Are there bits of friction in there that we could remove? Mm -hmm. We're just in the process of, of, um, of moving the back office system that we use. We used it for four years It's not really fit for purpose. It's not a 21st century product. So we're moving that. We made a decision, big decision to change that kind of system. But the new system we're moving to brings so much richness and automation and it'll take a lot of the friction out and it'll make our, it'll give our team more time to spend with clients as opposed to in a system doing stuff. And so it's actually quite exciting and liberating to have time. Because there is a danger in an industry like ours where you're task-focused and deadline-driven mm-hmm. that is constant. It's just like a month that the, the team are doing payrolls just now. And zero went down today. Zero's been out until about 10 to 5 all day. Mm-hmm. Zero is the tool we use to run payroll. And it went out globally. Mm-hmm. So no one in the world has been able to do anything on the product today. we got payrolls to get to clients today, tomorrow, Friday. It's really interesting just to say, well, okay, you know these are things we have to do but but um as we lift our heads above those monthly deadlines the weekly monthly quarterly deadlines what can we do to make that business better and what should the future look like how do we want to work you know we had our office we moved into our new office a studio space in dundee in january last year we were in it for about 10 weeks and then coronavirus happened um but prior to that we had already started to play around with a different way of working um, and so Alicia, one of our team, Alicia, spent 2019, in the summer of 2019 in Asia. Mm-hmm. She flew into Hong Kong. They were in Hong Kong for a while off, across Singapore, into South Korea, back to Hong Kong again. Spent about two to three months out there working yeah. and traveling and living. And, you know, that's a kind of bit of a blueprint for the future for us. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have our, we, we love our space in Dundee. It's an old converted stables. It's beautiful. But but that's, we can always go back there. That's our hub. That's the HQ. But mm-hmm. actually, let's go explore the world. Why not? And if we can do that from Hong Kong or, in my case, Mallorca or Girona and, and ride my bike in, in the sunshine, I'm a happy boy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we are now. And and it's exciting to think about that shift. And, you know, we're also excited to start going back into our office because a lot of things we've missed by not being together. Mm-hmm just those chance conversations that you might have. And when you're sat next to somebody um, that you don't, you you can't overhear the phone call that they are having with the client because they're at home and you're at home. And so we want to try and work out together, collaboratively and collectively. What is that new way of working? What does it look like?
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I have millions of thoughts, but I'm not jumping in. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to listen. Um Okay. So that's where you are now, and it's the bit of a pause. Um, I know you run this business for your son, which is, of course, interesting. How old is he, by the way? He's 26. 26, okay. My my 27-year-old, who I won't name-check, but I'm just speaking about him, which is enough to make him make my mm. sons, who are very conscious of online identity, uh, their generation is. Um, yeah. They don't post publicly. Um, but he's just turned 27, and he's just been promoted a year early to audit manager at EY. So I'm a proud dad. He's another accountant. Um, but as I've joked about with you and many others, I'm a recovering accountant. The first admitting of, of a problem. Um, and I was part of me is thinking, wouldn't it be lovely to go into business with one of one or more of my sons? I mm. have three. Um, and so that, that's that's the theme. But okay, I will ramble. I've had two guests on the 50 plus shows uh, before. That come to mind and one is a guy from the London area called Shital Shah who has taken a series of small, in this, re, in this area, there are lots of, I mean, London is a collection of, of villages, right? Yeah. And lots of small accountants. So one or two partners, three or four staff, maybe a million in revenues, mm-hmm. right? And he's amalgamated a bunch of them and he's built it around tech. And it's tech-based. It's also a lot of it's outsourced to lower-cost jurisdictions. Therefore, the people who work in the UK, their roles are completely different in this business. They're all about the direct relationship with the client. They're not technicians. Um, So they've retrained and repurposed people. So that's an interesting one. The second one is Lisa Thompson, um, who Mm. you might know of through the entrepreneurial community in Scotland, Who's just, uh, taken the strategic step of being acquired by an Aberdeen based accounting firm called AAB and yep, she so runs, a, runs a business called Purpose HR. She was on the show about a, a month ago. Um, and she's one of the, she does outsourced HR, but she's really strategic, meaning that she provides board level value, not simply compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a, an active client, um, who's not been a guest on the show yet. Um, who is a boutique city accounting firm. Alright. And really getting clear on where they are after a few decades and an incredible client base. And actually realizing that without conscious thought, they've got everything from individuals they do tax returns for to technician based work. But really they need to, they need to stop doing all of that. And they really need to recognize that they work with people with significant Areas where they need curiosity and empathy, and they need to be adding value to those high-level clients, because ultimately they're not an online tech stack like like tells DSK or Ashton McGill. Um, they're more of an old-school accounting firm. Yeah. So there's no point in them trying to do the the, the technician-based ones. But actually, the, the thought that does occur to me is really around um, something I, I learned relatively recently, having spent years, two years in 2014, around 2014, working around the um, downtown Las Vegas ecosystem, which was Tony Shea, and it was around um, holacracy and self-managed organizations and all of this kind of thing, which is really well known. But ultimately, you know, really this perspective I really picked up in the last year from talking to people who were working there inside Zappos at the time. Zappos, the online shoe store. is basically a call center, yeah. right? And one of the problems with, hey, be entrepreneurial, wake up in the morning, change teams, change your salary, how much holiday would you like, take as much as you like, you know, and all of this self-governance is something that, in the pandemic has caused great stress to people because an entrepreneur like yourself or me, we want freedom, right? We want the freedom to change, to move on to the next thing every few years, to move on to the next client, um, A huge number of people simply want structure. I know some very senior people as accountants around the world who are not CFOs; they are financial controllers. Whatever the title might read, they they take great uh, professional pride and pleasure in doing the same thing every year at high levels of uh, high levels of detail and Mm -hmm. solving the complicated, looking at preparing historical accounts. Making sure the VAT returns are done, the corporate tax, the consolidations, and they do all of this at, if a company's growing, increasing levels of, I was, I keep saying complexity, but it's not complex. It's actually complicated. It's solvable. Um, but ask them to look into the future about how the company could go in a different direction and how they could finance it and how they could look at that, how they could add balance sheet value. It's not their, it's not their bag baby as, as, uh, Mike Myers might have said. So you know, maybe even in a small business, there's this, which goes back to you running stuff about culture and webinars and seminars like a year and a bit ago with the business. Is maybe maybe there is room in the, in your business as you grow? I've just put this as a question to you, for people who are pure technicians, and for people who then talk to the client and have uh, that, that, that different role.
1: You know, it's interesting because that's the model we operated with the company in Aberdeen. I'm hmm. um, part of that turnaround of, you know, 125 staff and two and a half thousand clients. It was 125 staff at the time where there was zero unemployment in Aberdeen. Hmm. Remember our Scottish enterprise, we were account managed. Scottish enterprise said to me at the time, there, there is zero unemployment. There's less than one person for every available job. And so when you've got 125 staff and people are moving and because they were, you'd be getting paid ridiculous amounts of money to go work in oil and gas. We had to revolving door. I spent over 100 grand one year in recruitment fees, which Hmm. just seemed bonkers at the time. And so the redesign of that business was we we actually outsourced a ton of stuff, as your people in London did, to India. Worked with Iris, um, Iris KPO in Chennai in India were our lead partner, and they did most of that preparatory work. And the team I had in Aberdeen were the client-facing team. I ended up with 17 in Aberdeen, and then I had about six in Glasgow. They were our tax manager, our VAT specialist, our international tax person, because it was easier to find those people in Glasgow and they weren't going to get poached by Schlumberger or, you know, one of the big oil and gas companies. And, you know, there's part of that for us is now with Ashton McGill is just thinking, well, what do we want to be? And taking some time this year, just a hit pause and for Andy and I to go on a bike ride or a few games of golf and just have those conversations. Like we've got to this point, pretty successful so far. What next? And and we're probably going to have different ambitions because I'm 52 and he's 26. Um, and, and we don't know the answers to those things yet. You know, in terms of what comes next, there's actually a question mark. Yeah. Um, and I would say there's a, like, we know what, our, what ultimately we want to do. We want to help more people. We want to make a difference for people's lives. And, yeah. and, and so that's the kind of North Star. Yeah. The how we go about doing that is the thing we still got to, the puzzle we still got to, um, we still got to solve.
0: So if you were to look at this as a, a culture hierarchy, Right. So the, the, if the why is around um, helping people, um, that's a pretty high-level intent under which a lot of different things can fall. The how, on the one level, is your values and principles, right? You yeah. How we do things around here, in culture. But the, the piece that I often then look at is, is uh, the, it's a bit subtle. So it's what I call ethos points. It's like what are we moving towards, right? Which three areas are we going to pick? But they're not strategic pillars. Mm-hmm. are a bit more behavioral. So, you know, it can be some of the things I'm hearing are about collaboration, right? And, um, you know, where your business was is now, as you're outlining, is different from where it was a year plus ago.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Right? A- and the areas of focus, and for you personally, you're really enjoying doing this uh, part-time CFO gig,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So, um, yeah. but you know, so some of the things you looked at when you hit pause for things like, what's our IT systems like? Indeed. And um, what, what, what kind of people do we want in the organization? So, you know, it could be talent, tech, and yeah. and, and better, right? Yeah. And those could be ethos points. And under, under, under those, you, if you come off a golf course and you go, what, am I, what are our three ethos points? And then at that point, this is where I get into the collaborative, collaborative bit. You then, you know, get the team of eight and say, actually, you know, we played golf a couple of times in the summer, we went bike rides. Actually, we know we're all about being better, but for the next period of time, if we look at talent, tech, and 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 collaboration, right? What what would we do? What would each of you think we should do under that? And and so you know, it's that's that's a culture hierarchy that I use quite a lot. I work with companies, and I'm doing one right now across. Uh, which involves me working at weird times um, in another country. And, you know, yeah. you, you spend a lot of time working with people on their in, their intent or purpose and then their values, creating a culture deck around their values. And then after, when you've got there, you go, okay, for where you are now, what does that mean culturally that you're going to focus on commercially? And it's that bridge. So I guess that's a, an interesting – the sort of thing – I'm trying to put it into language for people who might be listening to this later because I know you know this – from a systems design standpoint, in, inherently. But it's this sort of golf course, being yeah. you know, drink in the bar after a round of golf or coffee after a bike ride kind of conversation. Yeah.
1: And the, the bike ride's an interesting one for me to, to just zoom into for a minute, if I might. In, yeah. in terms of what comes next, I've been thinking a lot about this. And Because it's my passion, and I've raced for a number of years, and I'm coached. And I've looked at, well, the relationship I have with my coach, which is all data-driven. Hmm. And the relationship as an accountant that we have with the client which is data-driven, but to a lesser extent. Hmm. So, you know, yesterday when I was on the bike, my Garmin's hooked up to my power meter on my bike and my heart monitor, my heart rate. Mm-hmm. And the Garmin's also measuring speed and and distance and, and you can actually see where I've been. And so every pedal stroke is visible to the coach. And there's no hiding place for me either, it's the athlete. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Barry sets the training session and I either do it or I don't do it. And I do it well or I don't do it quite as well as I might have done. But he can see all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it enables him to give really valuable and interesting insight and feedback. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, come back because we, we use a platform called Training Peaks to manage all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he leaves comments on, and we catch up every couple of weeks. And he'll say, well, OK, I see you've completed that session. How did you feel? What, tell me about this moment here because I can see something happened in that second interval. Talk to me about that. And I've been thinking, I've been talking about this with the team. How? What's the, what's the hour equivalent of that? Right, so we've got 180 people's data in Zero, mm-hmm. and we can see what's happening in their business because we've got lots of great analytical tools—our equivalent of Training Peaks that we can plug in, our equivalent of Garmin that we can plug in.
2: Mm.
1: But there's not—it's it, still a little bit of a fog right now. But I see the value that the coach delivers to the athlete mm-hmm. and how we he can help the athlete's performance be better. And it's actually a more dynamic, um, interactive relationship at scale because the technology enables that. What's the accounting equivalent of that? And that's a question we've I've posed and we're posing for ourselves just now. Now, one of the differences, Tom, is that when I go out on my Mm -hmm. bike, then all I do is switch my Garmin on. I put my heart rate monitor on, the power meter's on my bike already, I press start. I do the intervals, I press save, and it all uploads. Mm -hmm. It is there instantly. Mm -hmm. In a product like Xero, some of it's there instantly, but the technology is not quite as advanced yet. And there's still a lot of manual intervention that the clients have to do. Now, we've got some clients who are brilliant at that. They're bang on top of it every day. Dundee Football Club, Ailsa at Dundee Football Club. Every day, everything's reconciled. It's brilliant. And so we can actually get in there with our analytical tools and have a look at things. Mm But at the other end of the spectrum, you might have a small family business where they're just full on. They're just super busy. They're running their, their, you know... Um, their cafe or their, their their retail store and they just haven't got, they do their bookkeeping once a week or yeah. once every two weeks and so and so, but I believe there's a model we can move to where as the accountant we can be more dynamically involved with the client, we can set goals, we can set targets, we can set objectives at kind of a micro level just as the athlete and the coach have in a sporting context
0: It's really interesting I'll, I'll, the, the contextually the the gap I'm seeing and from how you described it is the difference between the rational brain and the feeling body. Okay. Feeling mind. Because you can do, and it very much, if I use cycling as an example, right? I, I, I'm a bit less low tech and a bit of a threat to Garmin is that the Apple Watch now syncs up to Strava. So when I don't need the route and I don't need to look at it when I'm riding, I just press go on my watch Mm -hmm. and then it goes into Strava when I finish the ride, right? And I do the same ride about three times a week right now. I do like a a 35 minute blast at lunchtime and it starts with a bloody great hill (laughs) and I'm hundred kilos. So that's heavy. Okay. Now the Strava will tell me at the end of the ride, how much effort, wattage, heart rate, blah, 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 all that technical stuff. What it doesn't tell me is what it felt like.
2: Mm.
0: And there's a really interesting piece that you do on Strava. You can actually put in there, what was the, what was the effort feeling like? Yeah. Now, the yeah. effort might have felt the same, but on a day when it's windy, right, and cold and rainy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that feels different than a sunny day when I just had my head down in the office, and the real reason I'm going out is just to clear my head for 40 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So the, when you look at business, it, it, there's so much of it. I work in the behavioral side of business right? That's what I do. I don't do any accounting anymore, right? Or, or any numbers. But I I, would, I joke to people quite a lot that as a as a recovering chart accountant used to be a VC and has read thousands and thousands of financial statements. It's a language because I can then know the right question to ask a businessman without using technology. I can look at it and go, oh, I'm looking at your debtor days and I'm looking at this. And I won't get into the detail for non-accountants listening to this later. But there are certain things will pop out to you in two minutes and you go, what does that say to you and the key language pattern is what not how it's because what accesses feelings and emotions so it's it's you know i make a joke that ai will never take over from you'll never get a singularity or it takes over from humanity because it's designed by engineers and they don't do emotions (laughs) joke right um i have lots of clients who are engineers and they definitely do emotions um but the that's the that for me is the question is if we were to ask you with the right access to the data, we can then ask the right question of the client that says, what does that feel like? Now, that's not necessarily the question. Right. But you can have somebody who had a record sales day and they put it in there. Dundee Football Club could have a record season ticket sales day. And with in absence of non-financial information. Right. You might go, what did yesterday's feel like? And you should it should feel great. But if they yeah. turn around and go, actually that was really disappointing because the weather was glorious and we thought people would pop out and, you know, come and walk in or whatever the reason is going to be, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, it's the, that the, context the, piece, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So, so I think the the the, 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 the boutique accounting firm that I work with as a client, I, I only talk to the, the, the founding partner. Right. We have people putting systems in and stuff like this, but I don't do that. And I talk to them and the first thing I say to them when I talk to them every week on a call is, so what's happening? Mm -hmm. Which really all I'm asking is, what do you feel like today? Yeah. And that frames everything. The content and numbers have to be held in a context of what you feel like. I'm watching the Olympics and my focus is on swimming. Right. And one of my best friends who's been a guest on the show, Ian Armager, is one of the elite um, coaches of any sport in the UK, and he's only ever coached the four inches between the ears for the last 30 years. Yeah. So he's looking at the G- Team GB swimmers, and he'll be talking to their coaches. And how does the Scottish swimmer Duncan Scott feel right now when he was the favourite for the gold medal? Is today, and he lost to another British swimmer, which is brilliant. GB one and two, but as a, as a technician, when you watch it, you go, you didn't finish properly. Mm-hmm. You didn't thrust your hand out properly to touch the wall. And maybe you thought you'd got it and you lost it by 400. Right. So there's no technical answer to that. But the only question to ask is, so what did that feel like? Duncan? Mm, yeah. You've got the data. You're the favorite and you lost by 400. hundredths. So you've got the screen. So what is that? So that, that that's the, I love the direction you're going and you're pausing. You're not racing ahead. Uh, and recognizing the value in your business is the technical is a given, but it's actually the relationship. And it's the listening and the curiosity. So I'm just trying to pull it together. So pretty cool. Thank
1: you. We're having fun. And that's also important.
0: Is that one of your core values?
1: By it is. It, well, we, we created a manifesto when we started and have fun was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, we, we, uh, we built upon that. We have our guiding principles and fun fun isn't articulated specifically but it's a thread that runs through everything and we do try to have fun as a team and and enjoy what we do because life's too short not to.
0: That feels like a great thought. Um, I always like to give the guest a closing word. Would you like to add to that?
1: Um, I think that you know as we come out of this pandemic um, then I really do hope that we don't go back to normal. I hope we go forward to new normal and I think that's my biggest hope for the For us as a society, which is increasingly polarised and increasingly challenged that that we can actually learn from an awful lot of what's happened over the last year and a half and and be better.
0: That's great. Fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank Thank you so much for having me.
0: Cheers. Cheers.